that everybody all the children sing with the Akron Youth Symphony Orchestra and a little bit of the Akron Symphony Orchestra 2013 first time Todd had performed that live Cruiser Mail my co-host and I purchased that chart from Paul Ferguson so that Todd would perform it and he obliged which was very kind of him and we enjoyed it very much what a and great the crowd song went wild you could hear it no doubt a lot of that was cheering for the 
youth orchestra as well as the song and the band and everything else. That might have been the finale. I don't remember, but the um, it I was. Think it may it have been. Children. Uh, was it the finale or was it just the end of the first act? Yeah, it's the end of the first half where the youth orchestra was. So it's their finale. And then, if you remember, if you were there, folks, when they went to sit down, we had tickets for them and seats. Everybody gave them a, a big standing up. Quite emotional, quite nice. Todd's got good fans. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. All right, tonight we've got a good show for you. We've got Paul Ferguson, the man who made that chart, and he is making us. You know, Cruiser Mail, I'm kind of confused. <laughs> I've been doing the math over and over again in my head, looking at it, breaking this down. I think we're going to have 15 new songs, not 14, but we'll see. I can't seem to get a different number. I go back and forth and count. We've been saying more than 10. We've been saying 14. Now I may be saying 15. So we'll see. What I can tell you is this. I want to talk about this tonight and the reason I've been crunching the numbers. Uh... We had somebody misunderstand that both nights will be totally different set list. That's not completely true. The set lists are different, but there will be some songs repeated on Sunday that are Saturday, and the majority of those, with the exception of one, will be the newer songs. So since we bought those charts, you're going to get to hear several of those songs again on Sunday night that Todd will be performing for the second time only with an orchestra. And then we'll have some more songs that Todd will be performing for the first time with an orchestra again on Sunday. Both set lists are very different. Over half of the songs will be different each night, and you're going to be just fine with these set lists. You're not going to have to worry about that. Just wanted to be clear, though. We're saying two different set lists. They are very much so. They're just not completely different. That wouldn't make sense because there's some songs we definitely want to bring into Sunday night. So it's going to be a blast. Do not miss Sunday night. I'm going to say that over and over again. If you do, you're going to say, you were right. I shouldn't have missed Sunday night because we got some songs on Sunday we don't have on Saturday that are going to rock your world, I'm just telling you. I'm just saying, Cruiser, man. What else can I say? How many times I got to say it? <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm just saying, right? That's right. Yeah, nothing, so, nothing at all confusing about that, <laughs> but yeah. No, um, you know, it it is got, going to be two different set lists, but... Um, um, you'll be happy if you just, you know, you'll solve all all of your problems if you just go to both nights. That's all yeah, it is. That problems, yes. So, that's speaking of the set list, we're we're just going to go ahead and give you a warning here, folks. Some people don't like to know the set list. Set list spoiler alert probably won't happen. Don't plan for it to happen. Don't want it to happen. But you have three people on the air tonight that know the set list. We will be discussing the creation of the charts for the, whatever the number is, 15 maybe new songs. There is a chance a slip-up will happen. That is not our intention. We are going to try, Mel and I have practice. We are going to try very hard not to do it and not to say something that makes it obvious. And Paul will, I'm sure, do the same. But... There is a chance. So you have been warned. If you don't want to know, don't listen to this show until after, and then we can tell you in the archives whether you need to listen or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get cussed if a, something slips out. I just don't want it to happen. All right. So anyway, you know how that goes. We're going to try our hardest. Um, and we're not hiding it because we're trying to be, you know, cocky and special or whatever it's because most people supposedly don't want the set list they would rather be surprised so we're going to try to honor that as much as we'd love to spill all right so 
We got some music we're going to be playing from Paul tonight. Good. Uh, he has several good things. You know, he's as a matter of fact, I think I found a tight connection, Cruiser Mail, that we're going to have to discuss with him. Okay. What? So we will see if I am correct on that hunch. And we're going to ask him questions about how he does this chart things in layman's terms. Hopefully we'll understand. Um, other than that, let's get in some announcements, Cruiser Mail. Okay. Uh, if you happen to be in Japan later on this week, you can see Todd. He'll be doing a global show on the 26th. Uh, and then he's coming to the United States, and he's going to work his way, gosh, I mean, date after date after date after date all over the country. Uh, the, you can find all this information at rungrenradio.com, trconnection.com, uh, Hot Toddies. Uh, the Todd store has the information as well. Uh, one of the shows in late August, the one in Austin, is not a global show. Everything else is a global show unless it says that he's with Ringo, and in that case, that's a third different type of show. And uh, the, the Ringo stuff doesn't start up till October. But again, you can check uh, those dates at any of those sites. I'm sure there's other sites where they're listed, and um, get your tickets you know, soon and go see Global, but then make sure that you save time Labor Day weekend to be in Akron, Ohio, where all the cool kids with the Rundgren Radio birthday bash will be. True that. Fuji is the festival in Japan. I wasn't aware that was Global. I assume that makes sense. Fuji Festival, that'll be cool. Uh, Catherine is asking. Of course, Catherine has a question, which is a good question. We discussed it last week, though. The Austin show... Uh, in August is called a psychedelic festival, something like that, and it is going to feature the band. So Prairie, Jesse, Chasm, and Todd. I'm not sure if Forensic's in on it or not. And it's a 45-minute set, and I don't know if it'll be psychedelic like Todd Runger's Utopia or if it'll be rock and roll. I've heard somewhere something like black and white, lowest common denominator, stuff like that maybe, but that's not a uh, confirmed source. That may have been a guess, but that's the kind of stuff I've heard. I do know it's the band, though. It's not global. Okay. So, see the band? You need to check that out. Hey, and one thing we to... need to clear up from, from the last show that we had last week, which, by the way, was a really good show. If you if you weren't able to listen to it uh, either live or in the archives, our guest was Dame Funk, who was the MC or DJ on the first leg of Todd's global tour, and he was – just an excellent guest, um, but I think both of us, you and me, Doug, I think we both screwed up on the announcement about when the uh, Spirit of Harmony Foundation would be displaying a bunch of costumes and mm-hmm. getting your picture taken with these said costumes. We were thinking it was going to be Sunday during the Chasm show, but it's not if you want to see these costumes, you have to come to Friday's party. And, Are you sure we? Should huh? I don't remember. I don't remember saying that. I think I might have said it. I don't know. Oh, but you're gonna throw me in the mix, and right? Yes. I don't know. Maybe uh, we may keep them up on Sunday as well. But Friday is the official day, and tell them about the fun that's going to be Cruiser Mail because this this is a very cool add-on for an already cool party. Well, apparently the Spirit of Harmony Foundation secured a a room either either very near 
the ballroom where our party is going to be or uh, maybe even somewhat inside. I'm not real familiar with the floor plan, but uh, if you come to the party, it, there'll be signage pointing you uh, in the direction of where you can go see, well, a number of things. There's going to be some costumes that have been worn, by the way, uh, by Todd, by some of his bandmates and girl singers and that sorts of things. Uh, they will be on display for you to look at, and then those costumes will be up up for auction at another later date. But you'll be able to see them in person if you come to the party on Friday. Uh, oh, oh, there's the dogs barking. Yay. Um, I understand that David Gay is bringing uh, the Fool guitar. Not the real one, but uh, bringing one that, uh, who, who's was, who did it belong to? It's a it's a legitimate replica, not a you know some kind of fake replica. It's like the uh, a good mirror copy of the of the original. It's from the Ralph Garcia collection, so it's the real deal. Guitar. It's not like they took you know some other brand and painted it. It's the full guitar. Right, so, and um, you'll be able to to uh, get your picture taken with the guitar if you like. And speaking of photos, Jim Snyder is spearheading a photo project. He will also be in that room with all the costumes and the guitar. And uh, he and some other noted photographers from the Todd world will be printing off some some of their photos, I believe, with some of the, the proceeds to go, again, to the Spirit of Harmony Foundation. So at least drop by and take a look at some of these great photos that these he and Chuck Madden and... Uh, 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 Daniel Higgins, you know, all of them, they take just beautiful photos. And, uh, you know, seeing them in person is very different than seeing them on a Facebook page. So drop in and then come to the party. And that party, by the way, is really going to kick ass. We're going to have, of course, we're going to have birthday cake. And we're going to have one, two, three tribute bands doing various eras of Todd and or Utopia music. And uh, these are these are pro musicians, so it should be really, really great. We've got Love in Akron, uh, the Drunken Blue Roosters, and Secret Society. So come on down to the party. Wear your favorite Todd Rundgren or Utopia shirt and uh, have a great time with us. Yes. Let's get into that costume, too, for a second. I'm pretty confident that the nearly human outfits that Michelle, Shandy, and Moldar had on are going to be on display. We know that puffy, pink, crazy outfit from the 70s that Todd wore during the AWOTS time period, including the uh, Akron gig he did back in the 70s, will be on display. There may be an opportunity to take photos with those clothes, still under debate. Not debate, really, but under thought, careful thought. So it's going to be a really cool situation we get to see some good history and you get to take some photos at least with the full guitar maybe with some clothes it's going to be a nice little add-on to the deal don't forget to we have a you might have said it mel a chasm concert uh another deal that the spirit of harmony foundation is doing before the chasm concert a little bit of action from ian boo and his daughter before the chasm concert more music than you can stand oh and there's two concerts we mentioned that already I'm sorry, two? I said, and there's two ton concerts we've mentioned already. <laughs> yes, oh yeah, okay, that's right. 
So, and right. uh, everything else, you can all find all the information at the website called Rundgren with ASO and click on more, and that's where you find the most information. Uh, we would prefer that uh, in order to get an accurate head count, particularly for the party, if you buy your either your party tickets or your party and bus tickets to and from the uh, Akron Civic, if you would do all that in advance online, that would really help us know how much food to order and, and such. Uh, however, we do ask that at the Chasm Show on Sunday, which will be around noon, uh, that's a cash-only thing, and that will be $10 a head to come in. So, And we all know Chasm puts on a fun show. And uh, the theme, if you'd like to, to play along, if you want to dress, up, dress for the uh, Chasm show, <clears throat> would be to dress as your favorite Chasm song or lyric. It can be from any... Any utopious songs that Chasm po possibly sang lead on or whatever. So use your imagination and come have some fun. Absolutely, be a good time. And those photos, there's some chat going on about that with Chuck in the chat, uh, chat room. A um, couple things. Jim's going to have a printer, and he'll be able to print some right there, and you can get them. And he may be bringing some that are already printed. As a matter of fact, oh. uh, I'll bring some that are already printed of the photo that was used for the embroidery that Janice Marie had done on the blue jean jacket and I had done on the tuxedo in 2013 for the orchestra show. With Todd doesn't have his glasses on, you can see his eyes, his face, the face photo. I'll bring some of those. You'll be able to get that. And I know Jim's going to bring some too that are already printed, but for the most part, you'll look on the computer, you'll tell him what you want, and he'll have it professionally printed right there on the spot, and you'll be able to get that. So a lot of people can... Contributing, I won't be. I'll be giving a few that are, you know, I get like a good two out of every hundred shots or whatever. But you know, a couple of the good ones I'll, I'll throw in there too for my collection. We'll have some fun with it. Donations go to Spirit of Harmony Foundation. All right. Speaking of money, <laughs> it's not a lot. I'm going to ask you to spend some more, possibly. Actually, it's up to David now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. So here's the deal. Here's the problem with David nights for y'all that know David, my dog. She thinks mom's coming home. But then she finds out she's not. So if I put her out, she'll start scratching on the door and want to come back in. But if I don't put her out, she's going to bark all night. So you do dogs, you got to go out. Sorry. All right, I kick my dogs out. Love my dogs, though. Diva and Snugs. All right, so here we go. Let's get back to the show. Todd Store has a new mystery box. Forty bucks. All right? Forty bucks. Now, okay. you will get, according to the Todd Store, over $100 worth of items in that mystery box. You tell them if you are want male or female, shirt and what size, and there's shirts, DVDs, a CD, you just get a hodgepodge of stuff, extras, all kind of stuff. You roll in the dice, but it sounds like a pretty damn good deal. For $40? You know wow, okay. A mystery box. So you probably get some cool old school stuff and some new school stuff. It'll be fun. So that's what they got going on, ToddStore.com, if you want to check it out. I thought that was kind of cool. I do. Plus thirteen dollars shipping, according to Bonnie Smith, four on the chat room. So fifty-three dollars. But you know, shipping's anywhere you go. It's kind of like Ticketmaster. Our tickets are twelve bucks, but when you pay a full price, it ends up being whatever it ends up being. So, <laughs> all right. Um, a couple ways to get front row tickets, right? Quick. One W. NCX or CNX, the Cleveland station, has a pair for the rain show that they're giving away. 
uh, you can win. There's also somebody we know that's selling a pair for the Reno show. If you're interested, you can email me, Doug, at rungunradio.com. They're expensive, but you know if you want to spend some money and have a good time on the front row, this is your chance. I can't help you win the Lorraine show, though. That is um, being put on by the Kent stage, so they're both having shows in August, as you know, in Ohio. So feel free to go to those, but don't forget, they're not the same as the orchestra shows, so you got to do it all. I'm just saying. You've got to do it all. Got to do it all. All right, what else have we got? I don't know. Mm. Um, let's see, we've covered a lot. I I was expecting a our caller by now, but... Um... He may have called in, so uh, here we go. So, Paul, if you're online, uh, press 1 so we'll know it's you. And then if anybody else wants to call in, don't forget you have to press 1 if you want to talk. I know some of you call in and listen. I can see you. But in order to talk to us, you got to press 1. If you want to call and talk to Paul tonight, ask a question, 646-716-9262. We know you don't want to do that for a while until you see what we ask, but if you're just dying to ask something, tell us in the chat room or call in, and we'll be happy to take that call. And without further ado, we're going to bring on Mr. Ferguson right now. Paul, how are you doing? Hey, fine, Doug. Calling from Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Todd country. <laughs> Is that right? Well, oh is, yeah. Is Todd on, on WNCX here? Or? They're having a contest, giving away tickets to one of his shows in Lorraine, Ohio, wherever that is. I think okay. that's north. Yes. Uh, but um, just uh, just west of us, and I've played Lorraine several right. times. It's a big, big theater there that I played with the Glenn Miller Band and Tommy Dorsey Band in the middle 1980s. So, yeah, good place. It looks like a nice venue, real nice venue. Uh, unfortunately, for this show, it's better to have a stand-up place. But, hey, it's better than nothing. They're getting tired, right? They can stand That's up, right. I guess, in their seat. We'll see how it goes. Okay. So, yeah, Cleveland's been a real popular area for Todd. It's one of the reasons why we do the Akron show so close is Ohio fans love Mr. Rungren. So, um, yeah, where, you know, where, where is the Akron show exactly? Is it is it a Blossom or is it downtown Akron or where is it at? It's downtown at the Akron Civic Theater. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, this Akron Civic Theater is a national treasure. It's one of those really old-fashioned theaters. It seemed like about 30, 40 years ago, all these old theaters that were built in the 1920s as movie theaters, they, they wanted to tear them all down and make parking lots out of them, which you know would have been a shame. But the mm-hmm. Akron Civic is, is huge. It's one of those ornate theaters. And also, it has a unique feature Instead of a big chandelier on top of the ceiling, they have like these uh, images of clouds and stars. You, you almost feel like you're in a planetarium. So it's it's really one of the greatest places to see a show, and just uh, it's a great place to be. Uh, we absolutely love the Akron Civic Theater. We did the uh, orchestra show 2013. You wrote the charts for us for the All, All, All the Children Sing song that we played earlier, and. Um, we've done shows there since I think 2008, and not everybody's listened. Of course, has been so it's good to get a description. But we've done some people have done the tour. It, they're great people to work with, and it's an absolutely gorgeous theater, and we just love it. Can't get enough of it. Great place. Yeah, I I went to this. I went to school at the University of Akron from 1979 to 83, and uh, Akron's kind of an underrated city. Uh, it's it was known as the rubber capital, but now it's, uh, it's a fairly diverse city now uh, industrially. But, uh, a lot of good memories of Akron, and it's a it's a great place to hear music. So. Oh yeah, that's that's we're gonna hear some good special music um, coming up here on Labor Day weekend. So before we get into all that, though, of course we want to talk about some of that and charts and whatnot. We've warned people they may 
they may hear something they they didn't want to hear. So we've warned them to listen to the archive. Uh, wait till see if we tell them about you know any hints of songs <laughs> we're trying to avoid. But uh, tell us before we get into all that. You know, um, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now, and then kind of talk about how you got into this type of business. You know, where you're you're able to do this and build the arrangements. What's uh, but let's start with your current situation. What's going on with you? I know there's a a newer album out. Um, uh, anything else? Yeah, I, I'm. Uh... I do a lot of different things. I, I think probably my my main identity is as a jazz arranger, composer, and also as a jazz trombonist. Uh, but since uh, since 1988, I've been an instructor in jazz studies at Case Western Reserve, which is in uh, Cleveland. So I uh, basically I, I teach a lot. I, I write a lot of music for uh, jazz ensemble, for orchestra, um, sometimes for TV. And then I perform a lot as a trombonist and sometimes as a pianist. So uh, stay busy. And um, anyway, I remember the first time you called me, Doug, I was actually on vacation in New Hampshire. I was uh, hiking part of the Appalachian Trail through a remote part of New Hampshire. And all of a sudden my cell phone rings and it's you. It says, <laughs> hey, can you arrange a, a piece for us? All the children sing by Todd Rundgren. I said, Sure. Okay. <laughs> so that's how that worked. <laughs> well, that was uh, uh, we got your information from the Akron Symphony Orchestra. So what's what's been your relationship with them in the past? Well, uh, when I was a student at Akron University, I would sometimes substitute in the orchestra, and I've, I've played uh, I've played different chairs and trombone in that orchestra over the years as a substitute. Um, and uh, then in the early 90s, they did some programs with the Cleveland Jazz Orchestra, which is a group that I currently direct, and they call it uh, Big Band Affair or something like that. So I had to write uh, almost an entire program for a jazz orchestra plus symphony orchestra. And uh, those concerts went really well, so they've continued to ask me to write uh, projects over the years. Uh, for many years, they asked me to write several arrangements for their Black History Month uh, concerts. So anyway, I've just always had a good relationship with the people there. So when they needed a chart for Todd, I'm glad that they thought to ask me first because, uh, like I say, it's, it's been a good uh, professional relationship for many years. That's awesome. Do you, do you have any kind of? Um, did you know who Todd Rundgren was at least when they when when you were first asked? Oh sure, Todd's name has been very familiar to me. But I have to be honest. Uh, when I was in high school, I, you know, you have different directions you can go. Uh, I, I grew up in a certain household where uh, we listened to some pop music when I was growing up. I was born in 1960, so uh, my, one of my very first memories is when I was three and a half is uh, when the Beatles came on TV for the Ed Sullivan Show. I, I can still remember that, just vaguely, just remember jumping up and down in front of the TV set. And uh, but apart from the Beatles, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, uh, Gary Puckett, and Union Gap, and some Three Dog Night, um, we listened to a lot of classical music in our house. So a lot of and once we got into the '70s, I really got into jazz. So I sort of missed a lot of pop music in the 1970s. So for me, though, it's working on this project. Uh, I'm arranging you know 14 songs for this concert in Akron, and. Uh, Gosh, Todd is outstanding. <laughs> it's uh, you know harmonically the songs are interesting, and uh, especially I think one thing that impresses me is uh, his mastery of form. It's like he just knows how to put the things together and tell a story really well, create some drama. 
And, you know, like when I listen, I love the Beatles from the 60s, but a lot of their stuff, like a lot of Hard Day's Night, it's two minutes and 40 seconds long, okay? And it all fits in there. But Todd's charts are almost all around not five minutes long, which would suggest they're deeper. There's more development going on. There's a little bit more meat on the bones there. So I, I've really been uh, growing in respect for all the music I've been able to arrange. Well, they a lot of the fans have grown up loving Todd for the lyrics and and their um, you know a lot of common themes that people like, such as such as love, of course, and you know that in the Beatles, of course, had Ringo as the peace message, but uh, the lyrics are. Um, you know, extremely popular. I guess uh, you have to do that with the charts too. And do you have you used that tool I gave you to have the lyrics, or do you are you able to just to pull them out from when you're listening to a song from a MP3 or YouTube? Well, I, I, I pull them out best I can. Honestly, I, I haven't used that tool you gave me because, uh, uh, well, I just I just didn't get to it. I, was, I mostly. <laughs> Most of my uh, concern is to make sure the harmonies are right for the background vocals because uh, you don't want to have any wrong notes. I, I want the three people singing the background vocals to be confident in what they're singing and all. But uh, sure. you know, even all the lyrics, the, the message also is really inspirational. Uh, I was reading about Todd and uh, you know songs like, well, am I allowed to say like what some of the one of the songs? Well, if you read about him, it doesn't. It's going to be in the show. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, compassion. Well, it's the uh, yeah, compassion is a beautiful song. You know, it's a that that's a word that uh, transcends every religion. You know, and every uh, every creed of uh, of goodness and all. So it's uh, sure. it's been inspirational in that in that dimension as well. Yeah, that's a good way of putting. It. That's that's probably the term I should have looked for. The message is more than the lyrics. The messages are are what fans are really a, a fan of. And of course, compassion. That just you know. Absolutely outstanding yeah. lyrics and messages. And, and also, uh, I was reading about how uh, how Todd is trying to, uh, I don't know if he has a foundation or a fund or something, to uh, try to make sure that young people have an access to music. He, he feels like music was his salvation, in a sense. Now, the, the, the word uh, salvation has uh, multiple uh, meanings, in a sense. And, and but one meaning is that it just provides direction and focus and, and, and a meaning of, for your life. And for Todd, it seems like music was something that provided some sort of salvation meaning. And uh, through his efforts, he's trying to uh, carry that on and, and make it accessible to a younger generation, which is beautiful. Yes. Yes, and 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 it's sort of in, if I find it interesting that. Um... He was essentially a self-taught musician. Uh, I'm, I'm not so sure just how much training he got while he was in public school, uh, but th- he's really taken the banner on this, and, and he believes in it very, very much. And you're talking about the Spirit of Harmony Foundation, which we've already spoken about uh, before you came on tonight. But, yeah, that's okay. the name. And yeah. It's a really good little foundation and uh, making quite good strides, actually. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the whole idea behind music education really is just to save time and provide inspiration and, and to just to, to you know, save you from spending too much time in trial and error. At the same time, though, uh, some of the best geniuses in music, and I'll just speak from the jazz side, people like, uh, like my, my two biggest influences as a composer would probably be Duke Lington and uh, a guy named Gil Evans. 
And uh, both of them were largely self-taught. They just had huge ears and tremendous curiosity. So what I imagine is uh, Todd growing up and having huge ears and being able to sort of digest what he heard and then use it in an interesting way, in a personal way. And uh, you know, music, music education is fabulous, but sometimes you get someone like Todd or a Duke Ellington or Gil Evans who's able to simply take what they hear and sort of twist it around and use it in a unique way and create something unique and valuable. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, speak- it- Go ahead, Doug. I'm sorry, I, I don't uh, have that skill. And Mel and I are both very <laughs> curious about how, <laughs> how you're, from a layman's terms, I guess, if you can do it, uh, and people who aren't in music and don't know how to do charts, I just can't wrap my head around how you're able to listen to a song and put these charts together and pick out every single instrument, all the vocals and all these things. How did you learn how to do that, and how difficult is it really at the end of the day to pull that off for a song? Well, you might be asking like, what my method is, create, taking Todd's music and arranging it for symphony orchestra. Is that pretty much what you're asking? Yeah. I'm building the charts, yep. Yeah, right. Well, now... So what I do is I listen to Todd's music, and I I, I transcribe it. I I listen to it, and uh, I'm sort of like a uh, an employee at the United Nations who has to listen to someone from uh, Rwanda and translate it for somebody who lives in Finland or something like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Only what I'm doing is not it's not that complicated. Really. <laughs> uh, Todd, it's a language. Todd's you- music. It's a language I understand. Okay, music mm-hmm. is uh, it's, it's 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 a language that uh, I'll uh, I'll suggest that I had a personal knack for. At the same time, I grew up in a very very musical household. Uh, let me just tell a little story. Uh, last December, I was in uh, Chicago, and I went to see the opera Porgy and Bess by Chicago Chicago Lyric Opera. I was putting it on. This is George Gershwin's opera, written around 1935. And I'm sitting there listening to this opera, and I'm just starting to tear up and throughout much of the opera. And the reason I was tearing up was not because of the music so much and not because of the story, because I knew the music, I knew the story. The reason I was tearing up is because I thought, I have this whole opera memorized. And I had this opera memorized when I was in eighth grade because we had the record around the house and almost nobody else did. So for me, it was a privilege to grow up in a house that had Porgy and Bess on the record player all the time, as well as, you know, the Beatles and Tchaikovsky and Brahms and Beethoven and all that stuff. So when you just listen to that much music, then with some extra training, you're able to sort of hear what's happening and you can then transcribe it. And so what I do is I I take the notes that Todd uses and then... uh, like a lot of times the chords have three or four notes. Let's say a chord has four notes. Well, I might give the top note to the violins. And this, uh, the violins are usually divided in two. So I'll give the top note to the first violins, the second highest note to the second violins, the third highest note to the violas, and then the bass notes to the basses or the cello, something like that. And then I might have them do it for a while, then he might repeat that section. So then next time through, I'll give it to the French horns or the clarinets or something like that. So I just try to move it around for variety. So what what I'm doing is really not uh, not genius work or anything. Todd's the one who did the most interesting work. My work is pretty much uh, just that of a craftsman for this job. 
But what I, do you? I, there was a question that came up in the chat room early on, and I apologize to the listener that I don't remember who asked this, but they asked, "What's the most challenging part of transcribing uh, Todd's musical music?" Oh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, gosh, I. Uh, I mean, he he's been yeah, known to when he plays the piano, he does this little um, chord that looks kind of like a horse or something with his middle finger <laughs> <laughs> sticking out forward. It does the middle finger doesn't really touch the piano, so I wonder if if does that mess you up in any way? Well, I'm trying to think uh, what I've heard that would uh, conjure that. Uh, you know, Todd covers a little bit different harmonic grounds than I'm used to hearing, say, in the jazz setting. Um, so I, I'm not really sure. The, uh, the main challenge for me is just to, to make sure I, I get it right and, and not, to, not to add too much stuff. Uh, jazz musicians, as I am, sometimes have a tendency to think that uh, more is better. But uh, it's been good for me to to listen to Todd's music, which is it's just mostly what we call triad based. Uh, you know, three notes in a chord, sometimes three notes over a foreign bass note. So uh, I just I'm just trying to provide uh, comfortable settings for for the band to, to be in front of the orchestra, so the orchestra is really not only integral but also also some icing on the cake as well. Uh, and I, I want to apologize for my ignorance on this because I, st- I still haven't no, been. No, in, I've no, had this. No, hey, you know, I, so, I want, I, you know when, when people apologize for ignorance, I, I just want to mm-hmm. mention something. Um, my, my girlfriend right now knows nothing about music, and but you know what? I learn more about her about music than I do about than I do from other musicians because she tells mm-hmm. me exactly what she's thinking, and she tells me exactly <laughs> how it's making her feel. Okay. Ah. So it's with my, mm-hmm. with my musician friends, we get into the technical stuff. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But I need to hear All how right. people feel, stuff like that. So please don't apologize. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not. I, I, here's what I don't get, part of what I mean. So if I understand you correctly, the way you're writing these charts, another composer could do it very differently. So you said, for example, the violins are going to be the main part in a song. Somebody else might say, I'm going to do a different instrument for that part. And so that, so if somebody else did these exact same charts, they could conceivably look fairly different, or or would anybody trained in doing this, they would all look pretty much the same. Oh no, they they would all have a, what I would call subtle differences. If if they're professional, they're all going to find the same chords, they're all going to use the same rhythms. Uh, it's just a question of uh, see what what I'm doing is is something called orchestrating. You know, if, if I just take a chord, ba da 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 da, ba da, I could give those four, three or four notes to the trumpets, to the French horns, or the violins, or I could combine the French horns and violins. I could combine the French horns and violins with flutes and oboes. So you just, you really have some choices about that. And uh, hmm. I, for for this, I'm just trying to to keep it simple. The focus is not supposed to be on me as an orchestrator, but rather to make sure everything goes smoothly, and keep the focus on Todd and the band and and the lyrics, really. So, sure. Well, okay. So another question: uh, We have a bass player, electric bass player, Chasm Sultan. You communicated with Chasm, and we have yeah, right. uh, you know, and so Chasm has probably performed just about every Todd song known to man. 
Why does he need chart when he's ar- he already knows the songs? Help me understand the difference in this type of show, why he would have to read a chart when he knows, let's say we're doing Hello, It's Me. He's done it a million times. Uh-huh. Why would he need to see charts? What's the... How does that work? Well, yeah, Chasm will just need to know what the bass players in the orchestra are doing. Okay, so these bass players in the orchestra, they're looking at the music for the first time that weekend. And uh, so, really, there's only so much you can do with the bass. So, actually, I communicated with Chasm and and said, you know, really, I, I gave the bass players in the orchestra the same part as you. But you're going to be amplified, Kaz. I mean, you're going to be playing electric bass, and you're going to have your amplifier on. And these other bass players are going to be, you know, strumming away back there with no amplification. So, you know, just do your thing, and they will provide a little cushion for you. But that, that's okay. So, anyway, the uh, I'm taking these off recordings, and sometimes the recordings fade out, and I have to invent an ending. And other times I'm sort of trusting the band to make up their own ending. Um, you know, with, without since I haven't talked to Todd personally, he hasn't you know, given me express directions how to end some of these songs. So, so some of them, like Chasm, he'll just he'll just essentially play exactly what he's played all these years. But uh, you know, maybe I might have a written ending that is a little bit different from what he's used to, but it's not going to be anything strange. So uh, ah. it's it's, it's going to be pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's a subtle difference. That's what rehearsals for 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 Todd right, yeah. say no. Let's end it a little bit differently. How about this? Yeah, that's that's fine. And I believe that any if if he changes any ending that I have to have written, I have no ego with that at all. So that's fine. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's his song. That's fine. So well, how did you ever get into doing it? I mean, you're a professional musician yourself. Uh, did you just tootle around one day and say, I just want to see if I can figure out this song from, from Porgy and Bess and, and put it on paper? Or how did you, did you go through any special training for that? Well, yeah, it's partly training. It's also partly curiosity. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I kind of range between extrovert and introvert. Like if, if, if there's a break in rehearsal, some people just go and hang out and chat with their friends, but I usually go to the piano and just start tooling around because I don't really have much to talk about. And I just like start figuring stuff out and it's kind of an introverted sort of thing. So out of that grows a, a, a desire to compose. I, always, I was always going off by myself just to play the piano and just try to put stuff together. And uh, so you just develop skills like that and, uh, after a while, the stuff you start to hear stuff in your head, and then you combine that with greater skill on the piano or my other instrument, the trombone, and you're you're more likely to stumble onto stuff if you have greater skill and if you just keep digging. And um, so, it's a it's a combination of intuition. <laughs> it's two two kind of five dollar words. It's a combination of the empirical, which is direct knowledge with the intuitive, which is sort of like, you know, going by feel. So I think Todd has a lot of that. Todd has a lot of, you know, head knowledge, but he also has a lot of intuition. And that, that's where I think really good creativity comes in. Because if all you have is intuition, well, then, you know, some days you just don't really know what you're going to do. You, you can't develop material. And if all you have is head knowledge, then your music might be kind of dry. 
But if you can combine intuition with uh, empirical knowledge and, and vice versa, then maybe you have something good you can come up with. Okay. Makes perfect sense to me. So my intuition, uh, my intuition. Was Chris, Mel, do you have something else you want to ask him? Uh, no? Not much more about Todd, but maybe about some other acts he may have worked with. But go ahead. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of intuition, I have the intuition that it's just, uh, Michael Brecker, you have a song on one of your uh, albums called African Skies, Michael Brecker. Is right. that the Michael uh-huh. Brecker, the Brecker Brothers? Sure is, yeah. All right. So I don't know there's, if you know this or not. There's a tie connection there. Michael Brecker and Baxter, right? Baxter, both brothers, were on Todd's most popular two albums. And I say two albums. One is most popular commercially, and the other is the most popular with the fans. Something, anything, which has "Hello, It's Me" on it. And Michael's on that. And then uh, "Wizard yeah, of True right. Star," which is album. Yep, he's on those albums. And we've actually tried to get him on the show with no success. I know his brother passed away, but um. Yeah, yeah, or yeah did Randy it, is Randy's still Rand, doing well. Or Randy. Randy just, yeah, Randy won a Grammy just last year for mm. uh, some music he recorded in Germany. Uh, Michael died mm. in 2007. And, uh, right. yeah, in 2007, there was a, a competition for uh, to uh, arrange a song by Michael Brecker. And if you, if you wrote the best arrangement of a Michael Brecker song, you won $1,000 or something. So I chose uh, Michael Brecker's song called African Skies. And uh, it didn't end up winning, but it's a decent uh, arrangement. And uh, mm-hmm. I recorded it on a CD called uh, Jazz Vespers. I'd be happy to send you a copy. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll put got that, a little put that, put that Dropbox. Yeah, right? I wanted to vote. But, yeah, we tried to get Randy on the show. I, mean, I didn't mean to say we tried to get Michael on the show. But both the Brecker brothers were on the albums, and I noticed that. So African Skies was written by Michael, and you... Uh, I arranged, yeah, I arranged it for Big Band as a okay. for competition. And okay. uh, we're Michael Brecker is one of the greatest saxophone players of the last 40 years, undeniably. So One of these experts here in the chat room, these old Todd fans, was talking to him. David Sanborn's on the album as well. There's a sax oh, solo wow. on the song Zen Archer, and I think that, that Brecker did it, but some people think Sanborn did it. If any of you guys know for sure, let me know in the chat room. But I'm going to play this a minute of your African Skies right here that you did, the Michael Brecker song, if that's all right. And, uh, oh, that's fine. We'll Thank be, you. <laughs> here we go. We'll be right back. Makes you want to go get some port and a cigar and sit around for a little while. <laughs> That's some good jazzy stuff. What do you think, Cruiser Mel? I like it. Very cool and groovy. Very nice. Let me get uh, Paul back on here. I muted him so we can listen to the song. Paul, we loved it, man. Good stuff. 
Well, thank you very much. Yeah, that, uh, well, I mean, depending on how you look at it, uh, human life and a lot of uh, the rhythms of human music spring from Africa. Uh, America is where uh, African and European culture collide, and a song like that that Michael Brecker wrote is a, just an example of what America is all about. You know, uh, uh, a white guy writing a writing a song that's about African rhythms and uh, making it his own and making something beautiful and new out of it. It's just beautiful. So good stuff. Oh, we got a hmm, another song thought out of blood. Let's see. We want to take a call, but before we do that, let's let's play another uh, some some more of your music. This is a. A Cole Porter song that you did. I got another clip of that. Uh, every time we say, uh, tell me a little bit about that one. Oh, well, really? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a beautiful song. That uh, the first time I ever heard that song was uh, on a John Coltrane record called uh, "My Favorite Things." That's Coltrane's best-selling record because it has uh, four standards on it: "My Favorite Things," but not for me. Every time we say goodbye in summertime. And it's recorded by Coltrane's great early 60s group that had Elvin Jones on drums. And uh, so Colt, that's the one ballad on the record, and Coltrane plays it so beautifully. And um, and the lyric is really fabulous, too. Uh, every time we say goodbye, I die a little. Every time we say mm-hmm. goodbye, I wonder why a little. So uh, I arranged it as a trombone solo, and uh, yeah, it was recorded live at the Bob Stop in 2006, I think. All right, so I got a minute clip of that. We'll play for y'all, and then we'll take. We got a couple callers, and uh, okay. but want to get you get everybody to hear a little music first, and we got some more we're gonna play later too. So uh, we'll be right back. Here we go with every time we say goodbye. Okay. had all of it good stuff so uh yeah again, that was <laughs> <laughs> is that you actually performing it that's me playing trombone yeah so oh beautiful wow. well thank you yeah yeah it's I, every I, time I we trombone right is the name yeah. of the song yeah and somebody's asking yeah cole porter uh, uh, interesting guy he was uh born in a town called peru indiana about an hour north of Indianapolis, and he was supposed to become a lawyer by going to uh, Yale, but instead he just started writing uh, writing songs and stuff, and uh, before you know it, he uh, had written uh, Anything Goes on Broadway, and his best musical is probably Kiss Me, Kate, and um, An Extraordinary Life. So. No question. Fact, All right, so we're going to take our first caller. This- yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Did you have something else you want to add? Oh, I was just going to say, this is the uh, 100th anniversary of the birth of Frank Sinatra, 
And Cole Porter was probably Frank Sinatra's favorite composer. So, okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> All right. And we got Chris calling in from, uh, regular caller in from Kansas City, Missouri area. Chris, what's happening? You're on with Paul. Uh, how do, how do. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm kind of curious. As Todd is, you know, from everything we can tell, mostly, mo- mostly self-taught, you know, I guess what you'd call a naive composer, not having, you know, gone through the whole, you know, conservatory type uh, thing. Do you find any particular challenges in arranging his stuff? I mean, does he make what you would consider, or what you know, what would traditionally be considered mistakes? In oh, terms no, of, uh, no. <laughs> no. Okay, I'm just curious. No, no, no and uh, you know, when when someone is. Uh, Actually, that's really an interesting line of conversation that you used the word mistakes. Uh, you see, I'll, again, I'll, I'll mention Todd Rundgren and, and Duke Ellington in the same sentence, mm-hmm. which not too many people do. But what what uh, see what distinguishes Ellington's music among jazz musicians is his creative use of mistakes mm-hmm. and how he created new harmony that way. And the reason he did that was because no one told him he couldn't. Okay, <laughs> so this is this is part of how you become an original voice, is by uh, finding stuff that sounds good, that other people maybe thought, well, you you know, you're not allowed to do that, you know. Well, yes, you are. And this is what uh, whether you're Picasso, or Duke Ellington, or this painter Henry Matisse, or mm-hmm. whoever. Uh, it's it's the ability to break new ground in interesting ways. And again, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you have someone like Todd or Duke Ellington who just has great ears and great taste mm-hmm. and they're able to find a new way to approach things that, uh, that you know, some people might think, oh, that's not, that doesn't really work or something, but that instead it just becomes something new and treasured. So, Cool. All right. Well, very cool. I love, uh, yeah. I love- I love Kansas Sorry. City, by the way. I, I played at the, uh, the, the the Hallmark or the the, the place downtown that seats about uh, twenty. Oh, the Hellsberg. Yeah, the new okay. the new Hellsberg Auditorium. Yeah, there's actually well, two was, auditoriums down there. Well, it, this was outdoors, as I recall. Uh, the outdoor auditorium downtown Kansas City. Um, um, yeah, I played there in 1984 with the Glenn Miller Band, and um, oh, anyways, actually. I might have done sound for that back in the day. Yeah. Anyway. And then uh, after after that, I went to the top of a bank building where they, I, I, I sipped a drink and, uh, in half an hour, one of those circular things where you saw the whole panorama of the city in the course of half an hour. Oh, that was, that was a great time in Kansas city. Okay. I got it. That was at crown center. Yeah. It's a skating rink during the winter. And, uh, yes, they have big uh, concerts. So yeah, that was the, uh, and you probably went to the Hyatt Regency. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have very, very happy memories of Kansas City, and hope to get back and enjoy some barbecue as soon as possible. <laughs> so. Wonderful. So. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of another question, but uh, yeah, the, the main the main question yeah, is about yeah, I said naive uh, uh, compositional techniques, because you know he credits school mostly as providing him with a piano that he can ba- just bang on to. Uh, <laughs> to figure it out for himself. And, well, that, uh, that's, that's important. You see, you have to have, like someone like Todd or anybody really, you have the individual with their imagination. You know, Todd is mm-hmm. exceptionally gifted and intelligent. 
And then, you know, probably he was within a culture where he heard some good music, either from his friends, perhaps within his family. Somehow or another, he heard some good stuff and it stuck. And then on the other side, there's the nuts and bolts. You need a piano or a guitar. And and then hopefully, if you're lucky, I was lucky to be in a really good school system where I had a great band director. So you need the empirical nuts and bolts systems, but you also need the social stuff, the, the inside intuitive stuff, and the social support network of uh, you know music floating around in the air. So uh, Todd uh, Todd had some of the benefits of that, but it's uh, I think a lot of it just came from within too. So yeah, I've noticed I, I don't there's not much in Todd's music that would consider that I'd consider jazz influenced. Um, that's and, that's right. I haven't heard a whole lot of real bluesy stuff. So once in a while, is uh, oh, oh, it's there. The, blues. There's a ton of stuff. there's a ton of blues. Uh, early stuff as the first band he was in uh, okay. was essentially a blues a blues band. And so and okay. he did an album a couple of years ago where he was basically touring all Robert Johnson covers. Oh, <laughs> boy, I'd love to I'd love to hear that because. Uh, you know, quite frankly, the, the project I'm arranging right now doesn't have a whole lot of blues content. But, mm-hmm. you know, Robert Johnson is just, you know, one of the giants. And I'll never forget, several years ago, uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite Robert Johnson tunes is uh, uh, I Believe I'll Dust My Broom or something. Yeah. I'm going to get yes. up in the morning. I believe I'll dust my broom. Well, you know, the blues, as as we're used to hearing it, is usually a 12-bar form. You know, four bars plus four bars plus four bars, and you tell a story, and then you repeat it. Well, Johnson, since he was accompanying himself on the guitar, he would add a beat here or there. He'd drop a measure, you know, whatever. And uh, Anyway, I heard a band, a big band, I think they were based in Chicago, but maybe it was Todd's thing, I don't know. Where they just they transcribed what Robert Johnson did exactly with all the added beats and dropped beats, <laughs> and it was just it was just killing. I was listening to that; I almost drove off the road. It was so good. <laughs> I just loved it. So, so well, Todd kind of uh, yeah, he interpreted yeah. it on his own. I mean, he changed the songs, you know, and and made it a little bit his style. I mean, you know, uh-huh. he didn't keep it, for, but it's uh you, you can obviously tell what it is that's my brains one of one of my favorites the first one he would do during the tour i'll send you the music you'll you'll uh i think you'll like it oh yeah gosh i mean todd does robert johnson that's that's fabulous I mean, todd did an yeah, entire album of nothing but yep. robert johnson songs oh that's i have to hear that sweet home yeah, chicago that's my broom um riverside Red Hot. yeah tell hound on my trail on there yes sure is yeah, okay. and Crossroads. Yeah. And the Crossroads is very different than some of the other ones, like Clapton's and, and uh, Rush did a version of Clapton's. It's, it's different, even. So, uh, yeah, I think you'll get a kick out of it. Well, I mean, Johnson, you know, he has that great myth about him that, you know, he made a deal with the devil at the Crossroads, mm-hmm. and, you know, who, who knows? But my yeah. my hunch is that uh, there's, there's, a, there's an old uh, story, or whatever you want to call it, about the, the return of the hero. Uh, whether it's Jesus or Buddha or oftentimes musicians, people that just go away for a period of time. Like, you know, Jesus goes in the desert for 40 days and fasts, and he's tempted by the devil, and the, the Buddha goes and sits under the lotus tree. And these people come back then after this severe test, and all of a sudden they have this great skill. Well, 
Johnson was like kind of a mediocre guitar player for a while. Then he went away and just like practiced like crazy. And, you know, if you're well, the guy from Kansas City would understand this, I hope Charlie Parker mm-hmm. was the same way. He just like went away and like just practiced like crazy for a while. And he came back and people couldn't believe what had happened. And so with Johnson, in that case, you know, he came back and all of a sudden he could really play. And people said, what happened to you? And, you know, people being as they are, they ascribe some sort of supernatural, uh, you know, explanation for it. In this case, uh, you know, uh, selling a soul to the devil or something like that. And Johnson probably thought, well, hey, bad publicity is better than no publicity at all. I'm going to go with this. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's the Malcolm Gladwell. The <laughs> but Road more Gladwell said in one of his books about the 10,000 hours. That anything, anyone oh, yeah. can practice right. 10,000 yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah this, this is what mm-hmm. Charlie Parker did. I think it's what Robert Johnson did, too. And uh, there's a good mm-hmm. biography of Johnson that came out about seven or eight years ago. I forget who wrote it, but... Uh, you know, it was another thing about Johnson, you know, we know him as a blues guitarist, but you have to remember that due to uh, the racist policies of recording companies, blues was all that he was allowed to record. But among his friends, you know what his nickname was? You won't believe this. What? He's known as the, the Polka King. <laughs> he was a gigging guitar player who played polkas for a living a good good chunk of the time, you know. Oh, but, huh. I mean, he there's a film... Record- you couldn't record that stuff, yeah. <laughs> so. There's there's a film if you ever get a chance to see it called Louie Bluey. Oh yeah. And it was uh, it was by Robert Zweigoff, the the guy who did Crumb and then Ghost World and Bad Santa. Okay. Okay. It, his first film was about this musician named Howard Armstrong, but he got nicknamed Louie Bluey because he wasn't Louie Armstrong. Okay. And right. he was a um, I actually saw him play at a little club in Chicago called Rosa's, and uh, just an amazing guy. I mean, he's like he was in his 80s, and he's playing his pickup band in their 30s off the stage. You know, I was like, yeah. we take a break, we take a break. <laughs> anyway, just an amazing, amazing musician, but he's telling stories about gigging in Chicago and having to play Polish weddings and having right, to play right. Anything that people would want to hear, you had to yeah, be prepared right. to, to do that. Yeah, it was just all music. So, yeah, yeah believe me, I'm, I'm a trombone player. So, I mean, you know, the, <laughs> the, 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 one of the jokes for trombone players is, you know, what's, what's the definition? This, is, this goes back 30 years. Uh, what's the definition of an optimist? A, a trombone right. player with a beeper. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, you're really hoping to get a gig sometime or something like that. So trombone players can't be cheesy. So I, I play all sorts of music to to make a living. But mm-hmm. uh, so Robert Johnson did the same thing, you know. It's uh, so whether you're south side of Chicago or the Mississippi Delta, you just you do what you have to do. So, but anyway, I really want to hear Todd's versions of those of those Robert Johnson songs. That'd be great to hear. So we'll make it happen. Not well, a problem. All right, so Chris, appreciate your time, my man. Thanks for All right, thank you very much. Okay. Talk to you later. All right, Chris Williams from Kansas City, Missouri. All right, so if you got time with us, what I was thinking we might could do is take a break and play. Uh, It seems like, uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, almost nine minutes, Blue Highways, and, you know, get some refreshments, waters, whatever we want to do, and then come back and take our next caller. Or if you are in a hurry, we'll just keep on chatting and play that song after you go. All right. I'm, I'm not in any hurry, and uh, Blue Highways would be a little appropriate talking after after talking about Robert yeah. Johnson for a minute. So. <laughs>
yep. U.S. Route 61 down through uh, Clarksdale or whatever. So. Yeah. All right. You want to tell us a little bit about the song and what album's on, all that good stuff? Get us up in the loop before uh, we play it? Oh, yeah. You want me to talk about Blue Highways? Sure. Yeah, we're going to play it and uh, so everybody can hear some more music, okay. and then we'll take a call after. Yeah, sure. That's, that's a... Um, well, that I almost called that song Saturday Night in Clarksdale, Mississippi, uh, because uh, there's a great book written in the early 1990s um, called uh, The Promised Land that talked about black migration from Clarksdale, Mississippi to the south side of Chicago, and uh, just talked about the different waves of immigration. And, and um, So one thing it talked about were Saturday night dances among the sharecroppers in Mississippi and then and how you know how interesting that was to the the white people who just wondered what the hell's going on at these dances. <laughs> so uh, I imagine you know, the situation was earthy, is very bluesy, and so I, I sort of combined some uh, Duke Ellington sonorities and uh, and also a feeling of uh, dry. The, 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 the term blue highways refers to back roads too. Like, you know, the the Blues Highway, I think, is US-61 from uh, Chicago down to Memphis to Mississippi. And um, But the the Blue Highway just means back roads. And there, there was a book in the late 70s called Blue Highways that just uh, talked about a guy covering the United States on all the back roads and all the stories he collects. So that's been a, a hobby of mine. So if, if you think I'm spinning stories now, that's... <laughs> it's just a hobby of mine to take back roads and to bump into people and try to strike up an interesting conversation. So, Sure, humans of New York kind of deal. All right, yes, we'll uh, play that real Blue Highways. We'll be right back with Paul Ferguson. Okay. You're welcome to call in 716 Keith, we got you next. Appreciate you holding. Um, so, Paul, if you want to take a little break, we got nine minutes here, and we'll be right back. Here we go. Okay.
Well, Paul, I think I got you back on, Paul. Yes. Lovely piece of music. Everyone was, uh, shall I say, digging it. Everyone was talking about <laughs> finger snapping and dancing in Paris in the 30s. So uh, that was beautiful. Well, and that was much. that was actually you performing, right? Yeah, I, uh, that was recorded in Berlin, Germany. Um, the um, I, I won a prize in 1995, and thanks to that, I was uh, invited to Germany in 1996 to uh, re- make a record. And uh, so uh, we recorded it there with a bunch of German guys. <laughs> they sound pretty good. <laughs> very true. Very good. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we we've had this guy on hold quite a while. We've got. Uh, a question from a caller. Okay. We've got Keith from Florida. 386, are you there? Hello, Paul. Hello, Mel and Doug. Hello. Uh, first of all, that was a fantastic jazz song. I am a fan of jazz as well as rock and roll. Uh, is that Where is that recording available? Well, uh, it's just through me, basically. <laughs> You okay. Can, uh, okay. You can you can uh, just type in my name, paulfergusonmusic.com, and um, and then we can uh, exchange addresses or something like that. So, yeah. I was, okay. I was, born, I, I was born a little bit too late to take advantage of. Uh, it's hard to sell records these days. I mean, there's there's no record stores and stuff like that. So most of okay. my most of, most of the records I make are just sort of like uh, they're like calling cards anymore. So. Okay. Yeah, well, I will do that. Oh, absolutely. Now, here's the the question I ask you. I I am a a music aficionado when it comes to listening and appreciating everything from jazz to classical to rock and roll, R&B, the the spectrum. Uh, I I fortunately was raised in a household with parents that exposed me to all types of music. And when it comes... Yeah, and when it comes to uh, uh, writing uh, scores or as uh, putting the, the, the string instruments to music like this. My question for you is, is there a big difference between writing or, or scoring, uh, orchestrating in the charts, per se, for, say, a hard rock song that is guitar, bass, drum, heavy laden, as opposed to a song that is more on the lighter side, that is not so bottom heavy. Or, that's a, or is that's it really just... Good, yeah. No, that's a really good question. Um, well, you know, here's the thing. Um, the, the, in some ways, it's a little bit out of my hands, <laughs> to be honest. Because, uh, like, people are going to be coming to the concert to uh, hear Todd Runger. And the most important thing is that they want to be able to hear Todd sing and play a guitar or piano or whatever. And they want to hear his band. But they also want to hear the orchestra. But I think there is sort of a hierarchy. So, really, what is heard, uh, you know, I, I, I arrange stuff you know, for Todd and for the guitar and bass and drums. And also for the violins, but you know we have to be honest. The uh, how uh, how well are are the violas going to be heard? You know how well is the second bassoon going to be heard? Well, 
it is a matter of priorities. So the, the platoons may not be heard terribly well, once in a while, though. And there might be parts, this is this will all be worked out in rehearsal, where, uh, where Todd's band might say, hey, you know, why don't we lay out for uh, 20, 24 measures and just let the orchestra cover this for a while or something like that, just for some variety. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, a good musician like Todd sort of decides to, you know, kind of shape stuff like that. So kind of circling back to your question, again, I, I just listen to Todd's stuff and, and I start doubling it in the orchestra, you know, and uh, but but I'm not always sure that it's going to be an equal sharing of volume. I, I think I expect Todd's band to be louder because they're plugged in, they're amplified. And the, the exact balance at the end will be mostly a matter of the personal taste of Todd, the band, and also the the sound engineer. So, <laughs> is that is that helpful at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that they yeah, because there there is a, a different way of hearing music. You know, when you're trying to add strings, like there are some of Todd's early songs, like Birthday Carol, that are were written with strings as a big part of the song, but then there are songs like uh, King Kong Gay or Heavy Metal Kids that, yeah, you of course, someone could write charts to, to orchestrate, you know, the guitar parts with violins, but then right. all the other orchestra parts, how would you fit that into a song that, like I said, is more of a hard rock song? But th- there have been bands like Deep Purple, have done orchestra albums and uh, like you had mentioned Emerson, like and Palmer that were very symphonic by themselves. Right. That, right. Yeah. It's, it's easy to add an orchestra sound to, you know, you know, here's something, a little, little dream that I would have. Uh, you see, I'm taking, I'm taking these recordings, many of which are somewhat older and I'm just supplying orchestra backups. But one dream I have is that if this project goes well, which I think it will, um, then maybe Todd might ask me to just take some of his songs that he's never recorded before and start start with the orchestra and then put the band in later. You know, sort of like say, you know, I want I, I want the emphasis to be on the orchestra here, or maybe maybe just Todd with just orchestra. You know, just for a little change of pace or something like that. That that would be kind of interesting. Uh, so that that that'd be a whole different uh, approach for me. So yeah, now, well, you know, re- yeah. Go ahead. As a as a forty year plus Todd fan, uh, I think you just created an idea that uh, a lot of people are going to jump on board and say, Todd, we got a new project for you for your next album. Yeah. <laughs> well, I. I, 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 I I could do that, and I and also I I could provide a nice big band record for Todd too. You know, it'd be fun too. So you know, he's always he he really appreciates. Um, oh darn, I'm drawing a blank. Who's the guy that that sings "I Left My Heart in San Francisco"? Oh, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, I, he's always I, admired him and and still mentions him quite a bit. So I could see him doing something like that. Wow. Well, yeah, I and, mean. And, uh, I see. I've been fortunate to play for Tony Bennett three different times, and he's just a consummate professional. He's really great, and he keeps putting himself in different environments. You know, for a long time, Tony would record with big bands. He recorded with the Count Basie band, you know, 50 years ago, and then he recorded stuff with strings, and then he'd do the duets records. And but then among jazz guys, one of the most 
best thing that Tony ever did was in 1975, he made uh, two records with the jazz pianist Bill Evans. It's just piano and Tony Bennett. And, you know, stuff like that among among the the true fans are like, that's that's like, you know, Tony Bennett really taking a chance, you know. So anyway, I'd, I'd, I'd love to just, you know, create something like that for Todd starting from scratch, you know. Hmm. So, so would I. So would I, Paul. You, you got me in your corner, brother. Okay. <laughs> My, I have a question. Uh, wondering, Paul, or do you have any plans to attend the uh, the concerts over Labor Day in Akron? Oh, I, I certainly hope so. Um, Good. I, I haven't checked the date yet. I, I also perform at the Cleveland Pops, but I will make every effort to be there to make sure everything goes smoothly. So I'm pretty sure we can hook you up with a complimentary ticket. Okay. That'll be fun. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. To, to be at the Akron Civic Theater and to hear that music, that'll just be a wonderful evening. So, yes, yes. Anything okay, Paul, else? Please? No, no. Uh, Paul, it was a pleasure talking to you. I will get in touch with you. I'll, I'll get all your contact information from uh, Mr. Doug, and uh, hope to meet you face to face in Akron. And uh, really looking forward to some spectacular stuff and really looking right. forward to to getting some of your music because okay. you you're coming made, up, made you're coming up to Akron? oh yeah oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah I'm okay, uh, well, I'm when, on when when you're in Akron you have to make sure you go to Luigi's Pizza okay <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> I will do that it's not far from the Civic Theater it's a, it's a city landmark so enjoy we like the lot yeah, yeah, we, we like, like the, the cheese. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, appreciate the call, but yeah, I know it kind of might surprise you a little bit, um, Paul, that the keys coming from <laughs> Deltona, Florida. But we actually have people coming from other countries and people coming from all over the United States to come to these shows. Oh, right. Um, this, is, this is something. We got. Uh, I don't know if we have Japan this time, but we have Scotland. We have the Netherlands. We have uh, Ferguson's a good the Scottish name. Finn area, <laughs> you name Canada. We got all kind of places. Uh -huh. All um, right. Yeah, and we usually have Japan. I think we probably have somebody coming from Japan. But we usually have five, six, seven countries represented, and then usually about 30-something states. People will come from all over uh, uh -huh. California, coast, east coast, you name it. Kind of These a big deal. Yep. yep. These are the only two um, orchestra shows that Todd's doing this year. So. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, now that he has the music, I hope he can uh... – do this several times a year with orchestras all over the world. I don't see any reason why not. So uh, we'll try. Well, to he's make got one scheduled in February in the Netherlands. That's uh, I think it's February. The uh, he's doing an album called Up Against It, and and he's going to do some other songs. And we're pretty confident that some of the ones you're doing will end up on that set list. Not all of them, but some of them will. Because Up Against It isn't enough for one show. They'll need to do a few more songs. So I wouldn't be surprised if yours make it over there. To the okay. Netherlands. Wow, the, the Netherlands. You know what? You know what town? Town is in. I was just in the Netherlands a few years ago. Groningen. Is it yep. pronounced Groningen mm -hmm. or something like that? Okay. So. Yeah, it's okay. near Amsterdam. Yeah, it's, uh, an half or so. He's done it before with the Metropole Orchestra, but this is going to be a local orchestra this time, um, uh -huh. performing with him. So he's done two shows with the Metropole Orchestra in Amsterdam, but this one they're moving yeah, a little bit farther. Yeah, there's yeah, something else. fantastic. <laughs> uh, a friend of yeah. mine, Vince Mendoza, conducts that orchestra once in a while. So, 
So, right. yeah, if you, could do, uh, if you could have Vince Mendoza conduct Metropole with Todd's music, that'd really be a nice thing. So Yeah, Tom Trapp did the arrangements for that one, and they for both of those shows, they did two different set lists, uh, two different years. And there's an album out, a CD of one of the most of the songs from one of the performances, and it's absolutely outstanding. All right, so we have another call from Florida, believe it or not, and this is somebody who will not be in Akron because apparently a kid going to college is more important than a Todd gig, which just blows me away. But anyway, we'll let her slide this time. Five six one, Catherine, you're with us. Hi, <laughs> Doug. <laughs> Hi, Paul. Thank you so much for spending time with us. I'm really enjoying listening to you and actually understanding a lot of what you're saying, even though I am not a musician. I have oh, that's um, fine. <laughs> I have a couple of comments. The first one being, I really hope you will let Todd know about your offer and desire to orchestrate his songs. Let's let's plant that seed. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, uh, yeah. Maybe, it really uh, maybe Doug and Melanie might have a little bit more inside track on that than me, but I'm glad to uh, talk with Todd at any time. That'd be great. So that would be fantastic. Also, I wanted to comment on that song. Was it called "Every Time You Say Goodbye"? Uh huh. The Cole Porter song. Yeah. Oh my God! It made me want to cry. It was oh, so mournful. Good. I mean, talk about great interpretation. It was amazing. Well, thank you very much. That's uh, yeah, it's, uh, Cole, Cole Porter is an interesting case because uh, uh, his uh, you know his music is fantastic, but also his lyrics have a certain uh, quality, unlike anybody else. His, his lyrics often have uh, they they have a lot of double entendre, a lot of sexual in, innuendo. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is just very explicit called Love for Sale. It's, it's a song of a prostitute, you know, young love for sale. If you want to try my wares, follow me and climb the stairs. Stuff like that. That's from 1930. That wow. is You know, it is really something. But but a lot of his stuff is uh, kind of a, a distant sort of love. It's sort of, uh, it's not close. It's, uh, there's, there's a certain, there's a certain pain, a certain let's not get too close sort of thing. Except on that song, every time we say goodbye, that's where he drops all of his defenses, becomes very vulnerable, and um, that's maybe that's why it's one of my favorite songs of his. Is that also available on PaulFergusonMusic.com? Oh yeah, you can. Uh, just Paul Ferguson Music. That's on a record called Live at the Bop Stop. And um, yeah, just uh, gosh, you guys are nice. I I gotta figure out a way to get my music heard by more people. <laughs> I, I it's a, just saw myself running around the Cleveland area. It's hard to reach people these days. There's so much uh, noise, but uh, I'm glad you like that, and uh, you can you can contact me without any trouble at all. So. All right, thank you. And also, what was the name of the song that uh, you played in Berlin in 1995? What was that? Uh, that's uh, Blue Highways. Yeah. Blue Highways. Uh, that was Blue cool. Highways. Yeah. And uh, there's a book called Blue Highways, and um, and. Um, so it's influenced by the book and also influenced by Duke Ellington and influenced by Robert Johnson and influenced by reading about Mississippi and influenced by the blues. And so it's all these influences, you know, coalesce. We're all complex creatures and musicians may be more complex than others a little bit. Uh, and it all coalesces and hopefully something uh, worthwhile emerges. It was beautiful. Did you write that? Yeah, I composed that in 1991, 
and then uh, it won a prize in 1994 with the uh, International Association of Jazz Educators, and uh, that led to some other nice uh, opportunities for me. And uh, and then, uh, well, it's just anytime you win an award, it's just a form of encouragement that says just keep keep going. Absolutely. So that was 20, 20 years ago, and I'm still trying to. I mean, Todd's still writing music, right? Isn't he? So you just you try to keep going and uh, try to get a little deeper or a little more direct or whatever, and uh, try to cover bases and uh, try to reach people. So. Well, I may have missed this um, when I was stepping away from the computer for a little bit, but were you saying that Blue Highways was uh, a little influenced by your taking a road trip, a la Charles Kralt, Back Roads with Paul Ferguson? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a little bit like that. Uh, again, uh, there, there's a book from uh, the late 70s uh, by a man named William Least Heat Moon. Uh, that's, that's an Indian name that he took. His, his other name is William Trodgan. Anyway, there's a very popular book in the late 70s called Blue Highways. And it just talks about him getting in his van and driving all over the country on back roads. And he would just stop and talk with people and collect stories. And that's become a habit of mine, especially around Ohio. Uh, whenever I would travel from Cleveland to Cincinnati, sometimes I wouldn't come within 50 or 75 miles of Columbus, which is kind of hard to do unless you're really going out of your way. But but that way you get to know the entire state and you get a feel for different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And whether you're a musician or any person, uh, one of the best things you can do is try to grow in perspectives. It's, it means understanding, taking the role of the other. And uh, and to take the role of the other is uh, part of personal growth and growing in, growing in compassion. That's the name of one of Todd's songs. And uh, mm-hmm. so, it's, 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 so it's partly to enjoy the sights, but there's an old phrase, um, we travel not so much to see different things, but rather in order to see things differently. And uh, so that's that's one of my goals whenever I travel. So. I love that. I really love that. Say, so yeah. going back to orchestrating um, Todd's songs, how long does it take to translate or transcribe a, a four- to five-minute song? Well, uh, it, it, it's hard to say. Uh, the, the actual transcripts of the song might take me about uh, three or four hours. Because uh, what happens is that Todd, uh, well, I don't want to get bogged down in details here, but Todd will have, uh, it's, it's it's rather concise. A typical five-minute song will have maybe a 30-second introduction. And then luckily for me, that introduction is often used maybe one or two more times later in the song. So I'm able to paste it back in, you know, three minutes later and five minutes later. And then he'll have the the beginning eight measure section of the song after the introduction, and maybe that's repeated. That's good. And then he introduces some new material. Okay, so we'll call the first material the A material, and then it's so A A, and then B B, and then maybe a C section, then back to the A section. Then he puts in the intro again. So he kind of like he has about four or five building blocks in his songs that he mixes up in ways that are really effective. So what I have to do then is to take, I have to transcribe each eight or 16 measure building block, and then I put them all together, and then I try to orchestrate them uh, in a way that shows some variety and uh, lets everybody play, but also lets everybody rest a little bit. So 
So that's uh, that's sort of, sort of the method. I don't know if that made any sense to you, but uh, it it did. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. you are really truly expert at this. This is your job, your profession. Does that mean that there's no profession, uh, personal back and forth necessary between you, the orchestra, or Todd, Chasm, or Jesse? Well, so far not. Uh, they, it's uh, partly an issue of trust, I guess. Um, the, the the project I did two years. Well, when when I was recommended two years ago by the Akron Symphony, that that was that was uh, they trusted me because I've written oh maybe thirty arrangements for them over the last uh, twenty five years or so, and uh, so they trusted me. And then uh, the arrangement I did of all the children sing. Uh, went well enough. As I understand, there were some minor problems with that because I didn't transcribe the vocal parts. Or, uh, maybe I assumed those, they would already have them and a long story. But anyway, it was close enough. <laughs> so so I got this gig again. And uh, so it's it's partly just uh, issues of trust. And uh, you can't legislate trust. It just has to be earned. And uh, and hopefully everything will go smoothly on Labor Day. So oh, I'm sure you asked me one question about the uh, about C minor versus C major, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. Which which one key question is it? Yeah. Uh huh. What key one was in? Yeah. And uh, uh-huh. other than that, no musical questions. It's all good. Just making it happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, that. That particular question was because uh, even with great recording techniques today, sometimes uh, a tape recorder or a computer will reproduce a song at a slightly different speed, which changes the key. And in that case, uh, I couldn't tell whether the piece was in the key of C or the key of C sharp. And Mm. usually you would almost always go with the key of C because it's a more simple key and easier for people to play. But in this case, it was in a minor key, and C-sharp minor is really not a bad key for guitar. It's like the key of E, and the key of E was Robert Johnson's favorite key. So anyway, <laughs> I just had to make sure about that. So uh, so that was, that right. was the reason. Better stay that. Well, I think, yeah. too, you were looking from a, possibly from a YouTube, I'd seen. <laughs> so yeah, it's good, yeah, good. Okay. it could have could, been YouTube, yeah. Somebody posted on there with a bad machine or something like that. So yeah. And, are you yep, um, so. are, are you transcribing most of this music from uh, MP3s or YouTube videos or original recordings? How how are you going about this? Is it different with each song? Yeah, no. Doug just did a wonderful job disassembling everything. So I just keep on going. I keep reopening one email he sent me that had all fourteen YouTube sites right there. So I just click on it and. Uh, Okay. It comes up right away, and uh, sometimes there's a five-second ad I have to click through, but uh, everything's <laughs> right there, and I can I can hear everything, and it just works out just fine. So, so sad. Yeah, no, YouTube, we don't want to skip yeah. ad. We're going to skip it. But there, there's <laughs> actually – I keep doing the okay. math. I was saying this got on today. There may be 15 songs. So we may have to talk to you about that. i got to figure out where we, where we messed up here. We may add another one, and maybe it's because we haven't got – uh, confirmation from Todd or something, but I keep counting okay. fifteen. So anyway, fourteen's good, okay. but we may we may have another one. We'll see. Uh, okay. Yep. <laughs> we appreciate you doing those. Paul, with um, kind of backing up, uh, you're, you said you're looking at some YouTube uh, videos. Uh, is that how you normally do? I, I, I think you've worked with other 
pop artists before do are they more active in helping you uh do the orchestrations or is it the same as as how you're doing it with Todd well it, it really varies and again my my project with Todd is is uh, mostly orchestration now uh when i work with other vocalists a lot of work that i do is for female vocalists and Sometimes they just say, uh, they'll, they'll give me a standard, like, you know, every time we say goodbye, or or actually, let me explain that song, every time we say goodbye. That was commissioned by a trombone player in Germany, a friend of mine, and uh, he, all he said was, uh, I want it done as a ballad, and I want it done in the key of A. And that turns out to be a nice key for the trombone, you can use a lot of vibrato on it. So that's all he said. Okay, now... Uh, and so, so I was able to uh, use my imagination and try to create uh, an interesting setting of it. So I had a lot of responsibility in creating the setting for that song. And there's there's no other arrangement that's quite like that because arranging is very personal. The orchestration is less personal. Orchestration is you know just uh, giving everybody something to play behind the the, the singer or the band. Now, uh, other singers, though, have have given me explicit instructions. You know, I want this feel. I want this to happen here. And that works out fine, too. So I I can work well with a lot of instructions. I can work well with virtually no instructions. And uh, that's that's okay. (laughs) Either way, just just so we're clear, we have an understanding. And uh, that's that's uh, I, I can go either way with it. So what where's the caller calling from? I forget where that was. I'm calling from Boca Raton, Florida. Okay, I have a friend who lives in uh, Fort Lauderdale, and uh, yeah, I don't get down there too much. I played at the Fountain Blue Motel in Miami. Oh, and, uh, hey, and down here, let us know. Been to Daytona and Cocoa Beach and Cape Canaveral. My my grandmother lived in uh, God's Waiting Room or St. Petersburg, Florida, for <laughs> for a while. <laughs> And uh, but I always remember uh, Mel. Tor- I played for Mel Torme several times, and and uh, he was saying that uh, uh, he used to always start off his program. He said with a fast, snappy number to kind of wake people up. But he decided <laughs> one day to start. He decided to start his number with a uh, a slow ballad just for fun. And uh, so he he said, uh, you know, so I was, so I was in Miami Beach, and I decided to start with a with a, a ballad. But I chose the wrong ballad. And, uh, the ballad I chose was uh, Michelle Legrand tune called "What Are You Doing the Rest of Your Life," and the people <laughs> there got rather angry. <laughs> so he said, "He said, now here's the problem." He said, "Now older people they live in Sarasota, but their parents they live in Miami Beach." So <laughs> I'm sorry, those are my Florida jokes. So <laughs> that's funny, Paul. Okay. Hey, so. I- Question. Um, yeah. You mentioned earlier. You mentioned compassion. It sounds like a song that you really do like of Todd, yeah. especially. Uh-huh. Were there any other songs that you orchestrated that moved you, um, especially emotionally? Mm. Uh, oh well, there's there's one song. I don't know. I, I thought, gosh, that uh, it's kind of athletic. I enjoy it because it has so much energy to it. I thought it would have been a good song. For an athletic event, maybe the Olympics or something like that. What what song would that have been? Anybody? Oh, I don't know. We're not going to do Oh, Olympics. Olympics. Well, if you think about it, Paul, let me know. <laughs> but my last question for you, truly, okay. is I, I have a question. Um, 
considering your your broad range of love of all kinds of music, what kind of is there a, a fantasy group that you would love to be part of, or is there a trombone solo that you would love to play that you haven't yet been able to play for the public or to record? Oh boy, that's a really good question. Uh, well, uh, if you know, you can go to my website if you like. Uh, my life. Uh, has largely been, uh, I, I would call it a, a realized fantasy. Uh, when I was when I was in high school, I admired my high school band director so much, I just wanted to be like him. And then when I got to college, I admired my trombone teacher so much, and as a performer, I admired him so much, and I admired my jazz band teacher so much. And then I went to graduate school, and I studied jazz composing and arranging, and I, I admired my teachers so much and the work they did. And I ended up doing a little bit of each one of them. You know, my, I, I write, I compose, and I arrange. I, I teach trombone. I perform on trombone. And I, I teach college students and some high school students. And so my life has just been one realized fantasy. And uh, I, I'd say my last CD that was uh, recorded about a year and a half ago, it's called Encounter. And if we have time, we might play the, the title cut from that. That that. That's a little bit of uh, it's it's hard to say. It's just one piece of the puzzle. Everything in my life is one piece of the puzzle. You know, I'm I'm a father. Um, I'm a musician. I uh, these days I'm a gardener. I'm mm-hmm. a composer arranger. I'm a back roads traveler. I'm a grocery store buyer. You know, <laughs> everything's a piece of the puzzle. So. Uh, uh, but my last CD, Encounter, has a lot of gospel music on it. So that's sort of uh, that's a, me to realize, chance to realize a dream to uh, combine jazz and sacred music. Oh, in fact, one of the pieces I sent Doug, maybe I'll play that instead, is uh, my arrangement of What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And, uh, I heard some the of that. Idea is just, yeah, it's, it's just fun. It's uh, you know, it's just uh, it's a chance to enjoy something from a different perspective. And uh, that's, uh, you know, no matter who we're dealing with, whether you're dealing with your children or your wife, your co-workers, other musicians, everyone's bringing a different perspective, a different background to the table. And then as artists, whether you're Todd Rundgren or myself or whoever, you just try to uh, enjoy those perspectives and and bring them to bear in whatever music emerges. Um. I love that, a realized fantasy, and that doesn't happen by itself. So you're obviously a seeker and a hard worker. You're not afraid of hard work. And thank you so much. I've really enjoyed uh, speaking with you, and I've really enjoyed this whole interview. Thanks, Doug and Mel. And Paul, I'll say good night. Okay, good night. Oh, Catherine sure is going to wish she was going to be in Akron. (laughs) A word. (laughs) Kids get in the way. Yeah. Oh, so Paul, let's um, since we've been talking about music so much, let's play a song real quick. I'm going to play your encounter, by the way, okay. but it's uh, seven minutes, I think. So I want to finish the show with it, so we can keep talking for a minute. Okay. And I did listen to your um, your song, and and um, what a friend we have in Jesus. It, it starts out, I was like, that's not that song, and then it goes right into it, and I was like, okay, now I recognize it a little bit. <laughs> but I did not <laughs> upload that one. I did upload one song I liked. That uh, I'm not even gonna try to say it. I'm just gonna spell it. M O N A M I J O B I M. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, I got a minute. Yeah. Of- well, 
Mon Ami Jovim. It just means my friend Jovim. So, uh, yeah, Antonio Carlos Jovim is the guy that wrote The Girl from Ipanema and a lot of Boss Nova hits that were popular in the 1960s, about 50 years ago. Uh, a group that took some of Jovim's ideas and made it even peppier was uh, Sergio Mendez in Brazil 66. So the, the Brazilian influence, uh, one, one reason I like jazz so much is that it, it absorbs all this stuff. Jazz absorbs music from New Orleans, the Caribbean, Cuba, Brazil. The jazz can absorb rock music. And um, so that's that, that kind of lines up with my own personality. And uh, mm-hmm. so Mono Mi Jovim is just me uh, kind of uh, in my, you know, not really trying to imitate Jovim, but at least showing that... Uh, that uh, I enjoy his music and sort of paying honor to him that way. Mm-hmm. And this, so would you call this bossa nova? Yeah, yeah. Mono Mijo Beam is a bossa nova. That's right. So uh, FYI, and I'll send you this as well. Todd has done okay. a bossa nova album. <laughs> 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 Believe it or not. Right. And it's actually very good. Bossa nova, which I do. <laughs> so. All right, so we got uh, Cruiser Mel. Yeah. yeah. We're going to play this song, and then Mel's got a question for you. We've got plenty of time, Cruiser Mel. So uh, we'll okay. get this. It's only a minute clip of this song, and we'll be right back. Okay. Sounded funny there at the end. Doug, are you still here with us? Yes, yeah, I think. There you are. Pop. There you are. You had your computer on. It's um, we're delayed, so if you can hear it in the background, it's better listening just through the phone. I think somebody did. Right, right, like okay. anyway. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, and by the way, for, so you know, and everybody else, of course, this show's archived permanently. You can listen to it another time if you want, and uh, check out the music again. It's paulfergusonmusic.com if you want to purchase some or email him. Some of it's available. And like CD Baby and those type of places, and some of it's not. So check out the website, lots of stuff. <laughs> all right. So, Crazy Mel, you had a question for Paul, I think, from the chat room. Am I right? Yes, yes, I do have a question. Mott was asking me to ask this question uh, because Mott and I, uh, some months ago, went to, of all places, a barbecue restaurant here in Dallas, Texas, and got <laughs> to see who is a, a pretty doggone famous trombone player play and jam with a bunch of local musicians and he happens to be a personal friend of Mott's and just one of the nicest guys ever do you uh know fred wesley oh fred's uh very famous he's outstanding sure it's a, it's a small world in jazz and music in general and uh fred's one of the best we have yes 
Have you read his book? I don't know. I don't know him well personally, but just very well aware of his work. So that's great. Well, he's written a, an autobiography, and it's it's really quite good. You might want to pick it up. I think it's called Hit It, Fred, or something like that. Okay. <laughs> or Hit Me, Fred. Yeah. That's okay. it. You should check yeah. it out this time. Yeah, well, that's that's good to hear, and uh, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you had a chance to hear somebody play that well. And uh, I mean, Dallas is just crawling with good musicians, largely because it's close to Denton, where the University of North Texas is, and that's one of the best music departments or music schools it's in the entire bad. world, really. Yeah, yeah, it's especially for jazz, so you're right. Yeah, just, right. So between um, Dallas and Fort Worth and Arlington and Denton, it's uh, really quite an amazing cultural area there. <laughs> well, I guess so. I just call it home. That's good for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that all was right. that was all I I needed to know. But um, we need to get you to come to the Akron gigs if you can. If you're if you don't already have a gig going uh, Labor Day weekend. No, I will. Uh, to make, I will make every effort to be there. That's that's a very important. Yes. So. All right. Perfect. So, uh, we'll tell you about rehearsals too if you want to come check those out in case there's any questions. But right. um, we got just about eight and a half minutes left. We got a seven minute song we want to close out with of yours called Encounter. If you'll tell us a little bit about that. And we appreciate you being on and giving us so much time, and you've been a great guest. And appreciate oh, our callers. Yes. And we I'm, certainly uh, appreciate. I'm sitting, it. I, I'm sitting on my porch swing on my front porch and just uh, watching the last bits of the sunset, or the oh. actually it's the sunset an hour ago, but uh, it's still just <laughs> a little hint of light left. And it's just been a nice way to spend an evening. Oh, the, the song encounter. Yeah, the, the song encounter uh, just. Uh, it's a, sort of a gospel style song, and um, it's kind of funk based and a lot of repetition. And uh, just the, the title is evocative. Encounter. We were all changed by a certain encounter we have, and this this can be an encounter with another person, or an encounter with the divine, and uh, or an encounter with music. Um, so. Just uh, be prepared for an encounter that can change your life and change your perspective. So, yeah. All right, Paul. Again, we appreciate it. Everybody, you're listening to Rungan Radio. Paul Ferguson, music.com. This will be archived. Check it out again if you want. Paul, we'd love to have you on again. Look forward to seeing you. Hopefully, Labor Day weekend. Thanks a lot. We'll see you soon. Here we go. This is- All right. Bye bye.
everybody, this is Todd Rundgren, and you're listening to RundgrenRadio.com. You are the crest of the crown, my friends. Well, thank you so much for your support. 